inspire that factor activity numbers dominate this episode. We look at Mozambique, Zambia, Uganda, Egypt and Ghana. Who sustained gains and who registered a decline? We also talk the changing banking experience and how banks can adapt to better serve their customers. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. The customer experience at leading banks is undergoing a revolution with technology and innovation bringing a change at lightning speeds, making things faster, simpler, and safer. Increasingly, digitally driven customers have come to expect the financial services they want when and where they want them. While yesteryear's brick and mortar banks built trust with customers through personal relationships, today's banks build customer trust on fulfilled expectations. Banking must be easy and convenient as anything else you can do on a mobile phone. Andruko, the CEO of Stanbic Bank, Uganda's biggest bank, joins us for this episode as she explains the changing customer experience and how banks and employees can evolve to keep up with the changes in the banking sector. In the age of immediacy and agility in banking, what is being done to offer the customer a seamless experience? Everyday banking ought to be convenient, it ought to be inclusive, and it ought to be affordable. Banking is not, the, is not for at the privileged few. It should be for everybody. Everybody ought to have equal access. Everybody ought to be able to walk into a space and transfer money without worrying about uh, the charge. So on the customer experience, we know without a doubt that the customer we served 10 years ago and the customer we're serving now have fundamentally changed. Fundamentally. Uh, in the past, you used to dress up and go in your best suit to go and see your branch manager. You now don't want to come to the branch at all and you don't need to. Yeah. In the past, you wrote an application and handed in and waited at home. Today, you want your results now, immediate. So we are in the age of immediacy. We are in the age of agility. We are in the age of digital self-serving. So the customer experience for us as a bank has got to transform and go to where the customer has. And you've seen us come up with different things where, you, where we, are, we are answering to this call. The second one is our digital focus. And we'll talk a lot about how we transform the bank from brick and mortar increasingly into a digital, whether it's on your phone or it's on your, on your device, we are bringing the bank closer to you in as much as possible. So the client experience is changing. But for us to be able to transform the client experience, a single biggest ingredient, apart from technology, is the people, our own employees. Our own employees need to also transform to be able to serve I was just sharing with a colleague earlier that when we started banking, 20, 10, I've been in banking 20 years, you, were, you, you had guidelines for everything. There was this box and you had to color in the box. Now, all of a sudden, the world is demanding that we think creatively, think outside the box. In fact, forget the box, right? So our own employees have got to be facilitated to start to think differently, to acquire new skills and, and to that end, we'll share with you some of the new departments that were not there before, but we are opening because they need to open. We now have a data unit, standalone data unit for behavior science, robotics, all those new skills that we didn't have before because the customer demands that for us to transform the experience, we have to go there. We are committed to reducing the cost of banking, and that can only come from technology, 
and from working with excellence so that we can close that gap. We hear our customers with every single survey and interaction to say, how do we bring banking closer? How do we bring banking cheaper? And we are committed to working towards that efficiency and resilience. Why is employee retraining critical in this era of banking? Like I mentioned, the customers are changing and therefore even us as staff must change. Eh? My BCom degree is not enough in this day and age. Maybe 20 years, now, 20 years ago, it was enough to get me through the door. Now we need a different skill because the customer and the market are demanding a different skill. So we insist on learning as a core part of what we provide. We have several learning platforms, some online, some in person, but we absolutely insist that each one of our staff must learn and acquire a new skill. And we insist on a minimum of 80 hours per person per year, minimum. And I'm pleased to report that we exceeded that to show 95, an average of 95 hours per person per year of learning new innovative skills so that we remain ahead. Our thinking doesn't stagnate. We acquire new skills as we go along. You use the example of FlexiPay and how it's a window into what modern banking looks like. Why has transactional data become such a core for modern banking? To step into the world of modern banking. So when I'm sending you money, when I'm receiving money from you, it's free of charge within that ecosystem. And this is the way we build, because if you're operating in this space, I can then see, as a bank, we can then see your volumes, your transactions, and that becomes the basis upon which we can lend to you. We want to walk away from the days of banking that had collateral in them. Your historical information is enough to give us a picture of your business to be able to lend to you. So this is a transformational product because it goes to the very grassroots. And when you start to transact, we start to pick the data, which is why I began by saying that the bank is changing. New departments that were not there before are coming. So we now have people who look at your transactional data and behavior scientists who then say, based off of this behavior, you can lend Busharizi 500 million. So I cannot overemphasize the importance and the transformational nature of FlexiPay and the promises it holds for all of us as Ugandans as we change and transform the financial services in this country. That was Anne Juko, the CEO of Stanbic Bank, Uganda. A quick review of the stories making it into the podcast. Egypt's PMI fell to 46.5 in March 2022 from 48.1 in the prior month, pointing to the lowest reading since June of 2020. The latest print also marked the 16th straight month of contraction in the non-oil private sector amid the effects of the war in Ukraine. Egyptian firms during the month suffered the worst declines in output, new orders and stocks of purchases since the first wave of COVID-19 pandemic. At the same time, employment numbers fell for the fifth month running, but firms were able to reduce their backlogs of work for a second straight month. In the meantime, Purchases prices subsequently rose at a sharp pace that was much quicker than February's seven-month low on the back of 14% devaluation of the Egyptian pound on March 21st while selling charges while selling charges went up only modestly. Finally, sentiment hit its lowest since the series began in April 2012 due to mounting worries over inflation and a prolonged crisis in Eastern Europe. The Mozambique PMI fell to 50.6% in March of 2022 from 51.2% a month earlier, pointing to a second straight month of expansion in the private sector amid a further recovery from the COVID-19 lockdown at the start of the year. New orders grew softer 
and only a marginal rise in activity. Meanwhile, employment growth soared to an eight-month high, contributing to a further modest rise in salary costs. On the price front, input prices increased for the first time in three months due to rises in fuel and raw material prices. In response, farms raised their output charges for the second month running. Finally, business sentiment deteriorated to the lowest level since March 2021 amid concern of global inflationary pressures in the war in Ukraine. Now, Uganda's PMI declined to a three-month low of 51.9 in March of 2022 from 55.7 in February, which was the highest reading in nine months. The latest reading is also the eighth straight month of growth in the private sector, but readings are below the series average. Output increased across the industry, services, and whole sector and retail sectors, but fell in agriculture and construction, while new orders grew faster. Further increases in employment, Purchasing activity and inventories were recorded in response to higher new orders. On the price front, input costs increased for the eighth straight month due to rises in fuel prices. As a result, output charges went up for the seventh consecutive month. Finally, sentiment remained optimistic amid hopes of greater stability in economic conditions and commodity prices. Zambia's PMI fell to an eight-month low of 49.6% in March of 2022, from 50.3 in the previous month, new orders decreased for the first time in eight months, albeit only slightly, due to a lack of customers and money shortages worsened by inflationary pressures. As a result, output fell and farms reduced their staffing levels fractionally in efforts to limit costs. On the price front, overall input price inflation quickened to a seven-month high due to currency weakness and rising fuel prices. Consequently, output prices were up for a second month running. Lastly, Business sentiment reached a three-month high, largely reflecting hopes of improvement in economic conditions and new business inflows in the months ahead. Ghana's PMI decreased to 47.2 in March of 2022 from 49.6% in the previous month, pointing to a second consecutive deterioration in the business conditions in Ghana's private sector. New orders fell for the first time in seven months and output declined sharply. Meanwhile, staffing levels continued to grow while wages were raised at the quickest rate for eight months. Also, weak demand led Ghanaian companies to hold back on purchasing activity for the second month running. On the price front, in line with rising cost burdens, farms raised their selling charges at the quickest rate for the seven and a half years. Finally, business confidence dipped to a nine-month low. Steep cost pressures led some firms to reduce their output expectations. And a quick look at the markets. Cocoa futures fell to a one-week low of 2,562 U.S. dollars an ounce amidst expectations of higher supplies. Farmers in Ivory Coast or Côte d'Ivoire, the world's top cocoa producers, said the good soil moisture continued to strengthen the April to September mid-crop and expects heavy rains to start this month as the country is currently in its rainy season. Also, exporters' data shows cocoa arrivals at ports in Côte d'Ivoire reaching 1.69 million tons between October 1st and March 31st, up 1.8% from the same period last season. Arabica coffee futures on the International Commodity Exchange crossed the 2.4 US dollar per pound mark in early April, extending their upward momentum to levels not seen in a week as investors assessed signs of more robust export demand 
against the backdrop of diminished crop prospects in Brazil. Wild coffee exports reached 11.4 million bags of 60 kg in February, which corresponds to an increase of around 1.8% compared to the same month in 2021. Data from the latest ICO report showed. On top of that, Brazil's 2022-2023 coffee crop was projected at 64.5 million 60 kg bags by Dutch bank Rabobank below a previous estimate of 66.5 million bags. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at the Dominic.